This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. This episode features an interview with Leela Srinivasan, CMO of SurveyMonkey. Previously, Leela served as CMO at Lever, VP of Marketing at OpenTable, where she built product marketing from scratch, and Director of Marketing at LinkedIn within the Talent Solutions business, where she co-founded the Talent Connect Conference. On this episode, Leela talks about the feedback economy and what it means for marketers. She explores how marketers can more effectively use customer feedback data to shape product development and improve the customer experience. Here are some of our top takeaways from this interview with Leela. The world has shifted toward a world of transparency, a world of increased digital opportunity, and I think more intent and more desire from people to share their experiences, share what's going on, good, bad, and indifferent. And in fact, we recently ran some research. We we do that from time to time, as I'm sure you imagine. We have this really awesome in-house research team that is constantly thinking about trends and and how we can you know leverage feedback to tell stories. But uh, what they discovered was 85% of people who have a really good experience are likely to give feedback. 81% of those who have a really bad experience are likely to give feedback. Yeah. And even the, folk, even the folks in the middle that are, you know, like neither here nor there, almost half of them are likely to give feedback. So so we've, we've crossed this chasm into a world where feedback is this global currency that is reverberating around the web. And we had better be listening into that as business leaders. So if you can imagine thinking end to end about your customer journey and looking for the vulnerabilities, looking for the points at which there's been an action or you might want to trigger you know, a listening post as, as, as Box calls it, like a, this chance to gather feedback and pipe that feedback back into the Salesforce record so that when your success person is talking to an individual on the phone, they have that full sense of that customer's experience you know, where there's opportunity for improvement, things that are on their mind, and then they can adjust their success and their their service of that customer accordingly. So yes, if you ask people at face value what they think they need, you might get an answer like faster horse. Uh, But if you understand the why, why is it important to have a faster horse? Then, you know, and as you go, as you delve into those root causes, then you get to the heart of what the needs, pain points, challenges are. So this is true of problem solving in general, and I think this is what design thinking seeks to overcome, is people race to a solution before they really understand the why and what the drivers are behind that specific need um, or pain point. That if somebody is not aligned with your culture, it's not worth it. It's just not, that's just not a hire that you, you should make. A big thank you to Leela for coming on Marketing Trends. And without further ado, here is our interview with Leela Srinivasan, CMO of SurveyMonkey. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And in a location not too far away, but not quite in studio. Lila, what's going on? 
<laughs> Hi, Ian. I wish I was sitting right there with you, but instead I'll have to settle for a few miles down the road. Yeah, no kidding. We are really excited to, to have you on the show today. I have been a fan of SurveyMonkey for a long, long time. I'm excited to talk about the feedback economy with you. It's something that we talk about all the time on the show, feedback being a gift and how you know the best marketers in the world are getting feedback in real time. So we'll get into all that and your career. So first, how did you get into marketing? Oh, goodness. Uh, it wasn't necessarily the most planned entry. So I, I moved to the States, uh, gosh, about 22 years ago, straight out of college. Uh, my first job was actually a startup in, wait for it, Jacksonville, Florida. That was a thing. And um, I found myself wearing a bunch of hats in the 18 months I was there, including marketing and PR for a little bit. So I had a taste of it. Then I actually ended up moving into sales. I uh, went actually to a company that had been a vendor of mine and I really liked the service. Did that for a while, went to business school, loved my marketing classes, but it almost seemed too obvious to go into marketing, I think, at that point. So I went to management consulting instead and spent uh, three years at Bain & Company. And it, actually, after that, so it was January 2010, I took my first step into what I considered to be marketing for real. Um, I ended up doing product marketing at LinkedIn. So it, I sort of took this very meandering path through a uh, little bit of like vague marketing into sales, management consulting, and then found that a lot of the skills from, from business school and from management consulting were directly transferable into product marketing. And the rest, I guess, is history. Yeah, indeed. And tell us a little bit about what your current role is as, as CMO at SurveyMonkey. What are the types of things you're working on? What does the scope of your team look like and everything like that? Yeah, I've been here for a little over a year now. And uh, little known fact, I'm the first CMO the company has had, which, no uh, kidding. yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of, it's wild actually in a way. So I had, I came into the organization having been a longtime user and fan of uh, SurveyMonkey tools and technology as a marketer over the course of the prior nine or 10 years, I'd used SurveyMonkey in a bunch of different ways. So I felt like I had strong familiarity with what the company did. And then I, you know, peered behind the curtain in the interview process and realized it was way more than that. So marketing at SurveyMonkey covers both our self-serve uh, business, which is really how we got our start and built this, this business was on this uh, self-serve survey tool, which is easy to use, simple, straightforward, powerful. Uh, you know, you can start with a free version of it and then expand into paid versions as your needs continue to get more sophisticated. So that's one side of the business. We also have this whole suite of uh, uh, enterprise and business solutions to help organizations to really systematically measure, benchmark, and act on the feedback that they're getting from the world. So marketing covers both sides of the business. It covers all of the, the functions that you would expect, I, I would imagine. So we have a, a really strong growth marketing organization that has been pioneering in terms of growing that self-serve business. In the last two or three years, we've really focus more on demand generation to increase the velocity of our sales into the enterprise. We have a, a fantastic brand experience team that, that covers everything from creative design to video and of course content. Product marketing team spans that same uh, really broad uh, set of products from self-serve into the enterprise. Of course, comms, social, all of the, the important communications, both internal and uh, PR analyst relations and so forth. So it's a lot of, it's, it's the full, basically the full whack as far as marketing is concerned. The one piece I don't cover, which sometimes comes up, is um, sales development, the piece that 
often sit, sometimes sits in marketing, sometimes sits in sales. It happens to sit in sales here at SurveyMonkey, but we work very closely with that team and really think of it as just one extended sort of operation. Why were you so excited to join SurveyMonkey? You know, you, you had, um, in, in previous roles, you were at some really hot, hot startups. You know, you're at, at Lever for, uh, for a long time. Why now? Why to be the first CMO of Survey? Survey. Yes. Well, I mean, honestly, so many reasons. Uh, the first and foremost, and I think as, as your career progresses, right, you index more and more on the people that you'll be working with. And um, I have to say that in all of my, my conversations with uh, Xander, our CEO, with Tom, our president, with really the entire executive team, and then uh, the folks on my team, I was just so impressed and really felt this connection to the, to the team. And so, so that's the first thing is just finding, finding a great team to, to be part of. And as part of that, I really admire the SurveyMonkey culture. So our mission as an organization is to power the curious, but we talk about SurveyMonkey as a place where the curious come to grow. I really uh, could not be more proud of the culture um, that has been built here over the years and the fact that we do really, I think, eat in our own restaurant and use our own tools to listen to feedback from employees uh, to continue evolving that, that culture and going from strength to strength. So, so, you know, so foundationally, really like the people, really like the culture. Then you look at the business opportunity. And for me, uh, as I said, you know, I'd been using SurveyMonkey tools for a long time for everything from running NPS surveys to competitive intelligence to surveys of my own team to doing market research to better understand white space and that sort of thing. So, so I had a strong sense of the, the value that SurveyMonkey provided to marketers uh, and really wanted to, uh, if you will, sort of have a meta job where you know, part of my role is help, and, and my team's role and reason for being here is to help our current and future customers understand the value that they can get from working with us. So this really is a meta job in that uh, a lot of the time we spend, we, we spend talking to marketers, helping them understand how to get more value from SurveyMonkey, how to leverage our feedback solutions to drive growth and innovation at their organizations. So that's been, you know, a really, really fun part of it. But then also this, uh, you know, this journey that we're on, having started in self-serve and being an e-commerce platform really, uh, and moving into the enterprise and just seeing the acceleration of that part of our business. Um, I've grown up in B2B marketing, basically, and uh, felt that when I looked at the opportunity here, it combined, you know, sort of all the fun elements of having this great brand, storied brand that um, has so much power under the hood when you look at the, the, the product lineup, but also is, is going in a different direction or expanding its, its horizons and felt like I could, I could be the right person to help uh, lead that journey from a marketing perspective based on my prior experience. So basically everything just aligned, you know, in terms of the business opportunity, the value that we provide to our customers, the company culture. Um, so again, I feel really fortunate to be here. It's a really interesting kind of look at it because I think, I think there's so many CMOs out there that ch chose their company because they just love the tool and they're like, wow, I, you know, I've been a customer for this for a while and you know, the, the opportunity opens up and they snatch it. You know, I've been using SurveyMonkey for, I mean, as long as I can remember. I remember using it back in school at West Point to uh, survey people in my company. I remember using it in the Army because we didn't exactly have a robust uh, survey technology in, uh, in the units that I was in. But for, for silly things, for, you know, you know, company events or things like that that you wanted people's quick feedback on, 
I think so many people, I mean, I, I don't know how many users, you know, SurveyMonkey has, or I, you probably, I don't know if you can share that, but. Yes, I can. We have 17 million active users globally wow. in 190 countries. That is unbelievable, 17 million. But yeah, I mean, I can imagine there's just so many people out there that have been using it for a really long time, but haven't necessarily thought of, you know, the enterprise type of product suite necessarily. I mean, like just when you were saying that, you know, we're working on uh, NPS here at Mission. I'm like, oh, we should totally use SurveyMonkey for NPS. Like that, what a great idea. And it's just <laughs> something you don't necessarily, you know, always think of, you know, coming front of mind. Was that something that, you know, when you took the job, that was something from a B2B standpoint that you wanted to make sure that all the folks that are using it, you know, personally that have been doing the freemium for a long time, using it for this and that, wanted to know that, you know, kind of the more robust capabilities, especially like, you know, folks that are in different business functions or different, you know, types of businesses or nonprofits or whatever, whatever it is, there's so many different uses of, of the platform. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Ian. I mean, I think that's, that's sort of the beauty of, of our, our um, set of solutions is the use cases are basically limitless in some ways, right? And I love, you know, to this day, I love hearing about exactly how customers are getting value from working with us. But to your question, yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think the uh, rise of our enterprise uh, platform and our business solutions coincides with this shift in, in, in the world, basically. So, so you use the term feedback economy, which is something we're really you know, excited about. But just think about the role of feedback in business today and for your organization, right? Whether you like it or not, the world has shifted toward a world in, of transparency, a world of increased digital opportunity, and I think more intent and more desire from people to share their experiences, share what's going on, good, bad, and indifferent. And in fact, we recently ran some research. We, we do that from time to time, as I'm sure you imagine. We have this really awesome in-house research team that is constantly thinking about trends and, and how we can you know, leverage feedback to tell stories. But uh, what they discovered was 85% of people who have a really good experience are likely to give feedback. 81% of those who have a really bad experience are likely to give feedback. Yeah. And even the, folk, even the folks in the middle that are, you know, like neither here nor there, almost half of them are likely to give feedback. So, so we've, we've crossed this chasm into a world where feedback is this global currency that is reverberating around the web. And we had better be listening into that as business leaders, whether it's feedback from customers, from employees, from students, from patients. I mean, you just mentioned feedback from soldiers, right? I mean, it's whoever, you're, whoever matters to you most uh, in terms of their opinions, that is such vital data and insight to plug into your decision-making. And so, so that's one thing is just that we've seen this proliferation of feedback globally. And it's not, that's never going away, right? Unless the internet crashes forever and we don't have visibility, uh, whether it's feedback on your company culture or the way you operate or your customer experience, wherever it happens to be, that feedback is out there for all to see. So we advise businesses to think proactively about how do you want to channel that feedback? How are you going to listen to those audiences so that you can make them feel heard, so that you can adjust your organizational practices and continue to evolve, almost be in relentless pursuit of, uh, of self-improvement, if you will. You know, that's, that's sort of the zeitgeist. But then the other thing you layer on top of that is this digital world and all of the uh, increased concerns these days around privacy, security, compliance, uh, making sure that the right people have access to information. 
And so that's why I think we see so many organizations now turning to the enterprise version of our platform because they're realizing how business critical that feedback is. And it's no longer something that they're comfortable with random individuals at their company who may or may not be there six months from now having a single account, password sharing across the organization, and just not treating that data as business critical, which it is. You wouldn't do that with other data sources, so why do it with customer feedback or employee feedback, for instance? So I think that's, what's, that's what makes this such an exciting time for us, is this explosion of feedback, and then this increased desire and understanding of the, the importance of feedback and treating that feedback uh, like the really important business insight that it is. Yeah, we talk about all the time on the show that feedback is a gift and that the best marketers can look at feedback both from an anecdotal perspective and make sense of it and from a data perspective. And if we kind of all believe this future uh, where data is extremely critical, where machine learning and AI is leveraging massive amounts of data, we need to be extremely proactive with how we get that data. And it's, you know, kind of that, bad in, bad out scenario, right? If you're not asking the right questions at the beginning, then you're not going to get the right kind of answers. As you work with, you know, in previously in your career and, and in your job as CMO, how do you help people ask the right questions to put the right things in place so that they do get extremely actionable information and data from their service? Yeah, that in itself is a really great question uh, because our platform makes it really easy to go out and ask questions, but the, the quality of the question itself is, is really everything in some ways. And so there are, there are a couple of things. Uh, you know, one thing I will say as a, as a practitioner and as somebody who, again, had been using SurveyMonkey for years, uh, whenever I put together a survey, I always try and visualize, you know, the outcome. What, what, is, what is the story I want to be able to tell in the aftermath of that survey based on that data. So, you know, starting with the end in mind and thinking backwards is often a good path to making sure that you've got the right structure of questions, that you're asking the right things that will help to prove or disprove the, the hypothesis that you've got. So that's one thing I would say, just generally speaking. Beyond that, uh, at SurveyMonkey, we have the luxury of sitting on now almost 20 years of questions that have been asked. So, uh, you know, with our we have 17 million active users right now. If we look back at all the questions across time, we have more than 50 billion questions answered on our platform. And so what we've been able to do with the help of our in-house data scientists and with the help of machine learning is to process that, all of that data and that insight and use it to formulate something we call SurveyMonkey Genius, which is our ability to help you while you're in the act of actually building your survey to know real time what might be the optimal set of um, options to give in your answers, for instance. We'll type ahead or we'll, we'll be able to predict ahead and think about where you're going with a question and suggest some ways of framing it. And then once you've drafted your survey, we'll actually score it for you in product, um, give you a sense of how long it's going to take to complete, what sort of completion rate you might see. And then if there's room for improvement, we'll suggest one or two things that you might want to do in order to increase your chances of getting quality answers. So one common example that comes up is Open-ended questions are fantastic. They're a great way of getting verbatim feedback. But if you start your survey with two open-ended questions, you're probably going to lose a lot of your audience because you're making them think a bit too hard. So we, you know, we'll often, this is something that Genius will chime in with, is, is helping you think about what's the right way to engage your audience and get the best, uh, highest quality possible answers from them uh, in the course of your survey. 
That's, that's fantastic. We got to talk after this because we need to do, <laughs> we need to do an NPS survey and yes. we, but we need some genius action. That is for sure. <laughs> um, but no, I, and, and I think it's just really exciting because, because it also integrates with all the stuff that you're doing. Like it's great to have, you know, the genius feedback. It's great to have, other people, you know, that, that 50 billion, that's unbelievable, 50 billion questions. But all of that isn't necessarily useful if you can't take actionable insights and put it into Salesforce or put it into Google Drive or, or, or Slack or, you know, uh, Zapier or Zapier. I never know how to pronounce it. Uh, so it's, Google- it's actually Zapier. I, I, I learned a while back. It rhymes with happier. Now oh, that's, there you go. Happier. <laughs> Our, uh, our head of growth always uh, always corrects me and I always get it wrong. Um, that rhymes with happier. There you go. Or Google Forms or whatever it is. But I think it's just so important that you're able to take actionable insights. What do you see from kind of the best practices of how people leverage this to take actionable insights? It's, again, a great question, <laughs> So because that is everything, right? I mean, d- the, the data for data's sake is not, not going to do any of us any good. So a couple of thoughts. And, and in fact, I was just prepping with a, a panel. We're hosting an event in San Francisco next week with a, a series of marketing and customer success leaders talking about this. And it's like, you know, again, sort of thinking with the end in mind and thinking about how do you, part of it is about how do you socialize the results when they're, when they're baked. So making yeah. sure that you you push through to the implications for what needs to happen differently at the organization. So that's one piece of it. Another piece is, in, and this is where we've continued to, to invest in our product to make sure that from an analytical standpoint, we're doing the most we can to help people really see the results clearly. And so our analyzed dashboards are continually improving as a, a source that you can actually, you can share out your, your dashboard directly from any survey that you're running with colleagues so that they can really get their head around the trends and the, you know, kind of the insights that are developing from that. So those are all, I think, things that matter. But to, to something that I think you touched upon in the, 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 as you were framing the question here, you mentioned Salesforce, you mentioned Zapier, you mentioned Slack. For us, you know, SurveyMonkey never set out to be the system of record. We are all about making sure that we push this really valuable feedback into the systems and the, the places where your employees are already working. So Salesforce is a great example, and I'll, I'll highlight Box as one of our customers that I think does this really well. So they are a Salesforce shop, and their go-to-market teams, whether it's marketing, success, sales, they all you know, live and breathe Salesforce, as many of us do. And uh, the reason that they actually chose to, to go with SurveyMonkey and, and you know, make sure that they were using our enterprise platform and everything else was that they wanted to make sure Survey insights, um, this, this feedback from customers was piping directly into the place where their teams are spending all their time. So if you can imagine thinking end-to-end about your customer journey and looking for the vulnerabilities, looking for the points at which there's been an action, or you might want to trigger you know, a listening post, as, as, as Box calls it, like a, this chance to gather feedback and pipe that feedback back into the Salesforce record so that when your success person is talking to an individual on the phone, they have that full sense of that customer's experience, you know, where there's opportunity for improvement, things that are on their mind, and then they can adjust their success and their, their service of that customer accordingly. So that, that for us is where you really move from insight to action is when you're pairing that uh, really vital feedback up real time in the systems that your team 
is then empowered to to use that data in um, making sure that your, your customers in this instance get the best experience of their lives. How do you, how does your team look at using data in kind of your internal decision-making processes? Wow. I feel like we could talk for, <laughs> we could talk for uh, a full 45 minutes on the use of data for making decisions. So, you know, there, there are a number of different ways, you know, we, we are constantly looking at everything from sort of top of funnel you know, how, how are our campaigns performing all the way through to, uh, you know, usage data in product to better understand, you know, when we should be surfacing different information. But, you know, at SurveyMonkey, we have, because we have this base of, uh, of active users who are using the platform for all kinds of different things, uh, from a marketing standpoint, we have the opportunity to, to look at that data through the lens of how can we help a customer get more value from our platform? How can we help them uncover the right products that make sense given what they're trying to accomplish on SurveyMonkey? So by better understanding who they are, the types of questions they're answering their survey, uh, what templates they might be using. We have hundreds of -of out-of-the-box templates, for example. The volume of responses that they're getting. We funnel all of that information into a proprietary system at our end called Customer360 that we can then use to make recommendations either in product or to um, invite them to specific uh, webinars or to enjoy specific content that we think will be valuable to having a sense of when they might be ready for a sales conversation. So I feel like we're constantly trying to better understand the usage and the behaviors of our customers and combine that with feedback, of course, as we're, as they're going through their journey so that we can in turn just keep adding more value. One of the things that kind of struck me as, is pretty potentially difficult is when you're selling to an HR person versus a marketer versus a researcher versus, you know, something like that. It seems like there's such different functions. Yep. Obviously the utility at the end of the day is pretty similar, but there's such different personas and their buying persona is really uh, nuanced. How do you kind of look at those different folks that are ultimately trying to get you know, deep insights from their customers or from, you know, get that information uh, and, and kind of help them through that journey. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and I, increasingly since I got here, we as a team have been taking a much more audience focused approach um, because to your point, the conversation that we want to have with HR and the value that we can provide to an HR team is so different from the value that we provide to marketing or research or even to IT who are often are involved in that buying conversation, of course. And feedback is core to all of those audiences, but the way, you know, the, the use cases and the value that they're extracting is, is very different. So we actually have members of the team that focus on those different audiences and are uh, sort of laser focused on figuring out what is the most valuable content that we can provide to help them uh, either be successful in our platform or think about trends in the industry or uh, just generally be more successful at their jobs. Um, so we do, we take that team, um, sort of the team is oriented around some of these different personas or audiences. So that's one thing. The other thing I'll say is if I back up to our company values, one of those is listen to customers. And we're constantly looking for ways to help our own employees get closer to customers, empathize with them, understand their pain points, their challenges, and how we're adding value. And so one of the One of the mechanisms for doing that, which I'm really excited about, is something called a customer interaction report. So this is, uh, unsurprisingly, it's run on a SurveyMonkey form. And 
we give each employee the opportunity to basically document, almost write a miniature case study after they've interacted with a customer, whether that interact, interaction was extremely positive or you know, included some constructive feedback for us. And uh, basically do a miniature write-up of that, which as soon as they submit that form or that survey, is uh, fed via a Slack integration into our Slack, a Slack channel called Customer Interaction Reports. And so that information is visible for anyone who signed up for that channel, which is most of the company, to better understand our customers in a very real way. And this year, we've gone as far as to lay, lay down the gauntlet, basically, and, and challenge every employee at SurveyMonkey to complete a customer interaction report so that we can all get better at listening to empathizing with walking in the shoes of, and then hopefully, you know, creating programs that resonate more with all these different types of customer. Do you feel like you kind of have an advantage there when you're marketing because you, you know, have a lot more feedback? I feel like a lot of folks, you know, we always talk about this idea of like the best marketers are the most empathetic, you know, they can really think like, the customer. And a lot of that comes from sitting with them and talking with them and, you know, figuring out the, not just the like, you know, one or two pain points that your, you know, your features might solve, but really like the deeper, deep seated kind of problems that they have as, as a person and as, as someone working in, you know, in business and whatever function they have, do you kind of feel like that it gives you an advantage to be able to have so much kind of information and, and, and data at your fingertips? Yeah, I think as so long as you know how to navigate that, it does. It certainly creates advantage. Uh, I think what I what I'm really increasingly inspired by is how I see my team thinking about this at, at both sort of the almost qualitative insight level as well as the data driven quant perspective. So, yeah. you know, one example would be just as you as you comb through uh, NPS. You know, let's say you run your NPS survey on on SurveyMonkey. Well, you know, you'll have the score. The score is interesting, but what really matters in NPS is delving into the root causes to understand the why behind the score. And we recently uh, launched a sentiment analysis within our premier products that helps people really cut to the chase and better understand like some of the why and some of the phrases that are emerging as being uh, key drivers of dissatisfaction or people feeling so-so about your product. So that's been really important to see people uh, uh, able to crunch that qualitative feedback, if you will, and get to insights faster. Um, so that, that's cool. But the other thing, as I said, is just how can we leverage, how can we use quantitative feedback to make really good marketing decisions based on feedback from our target customers? So we actually just went through this with a brand campaign that we launched. We've been running uh, branded buses around San Francisco and billboards and doing some other exciting things to really try and change people's perception of SurveyMonkey, make sure that they understand that we're built for enterprise and that we're delivering real business value to marketers and to IT and so forth. Um, so as we developed that campaign, we used our own products. We, we often eat in our own restaurant. And in this instance, we used SurveyMonkey Enterprise, so our, our core platform, and also uh, SurveyMonkey Audience, which is our panel product, whereby you can you can select the parameters of the audience that you want to survey, and we can very quickly get a survey out to them and get you back. We call it market research in minutes. It's really a very fast way to get, to get good feedback on, uh, on different concepts. So we, we basically concept tested our ads before we launched them, and that helped us zero in on the right messaging it also helped us zero in on, on things that are, that are important for us, like colors, right? Is, is SurveyMonkey green while it's our signature color? Is that going to resonate with an enterprise audience? 
And we found through concept testing that in fact, yes, the green ads performed the best. And when we combined those with the right messaging, it was even more apparent that we were on the right track. So being able to use those sort of quantitative techniques to get answers on things that are kind of softer sometimes, like if you hit the nail on the head with your brand campaign, that's been really empowering for the team and just gives us a lot more confidence in what we're doing. That's really interesting. So is it because the green color is your color, so they expect it? Or what you was know, that? I think people are actually bored of blue at this point, but uh, I was really excited to see that happen because, uh, you know, green is definitely sort of our, our color of choice. And I don't know, I think it feels vibrant. I think it, it's attention getting. And if you can pair that with the right messaging, the right imagery, then you're off to the races. Well, green is great because uh, there's so many shades of it in nature. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, there's a calming aspect to it. I hadn't thought of Survey Monkey as calming, but maybe maybe there's something there. Yeah, we were uh, we were talking to the head of facilities at Slack, Dino Roberts, uh, for different different podcasts, mm-hmm. and yeah, there's like there's all sorts of you know research about certain things like wood tones for an office building, like yes. humans are more comfortable being around wood, the feel of a wooden table, uh, certain things like that, that make a huge difference. It's like, you know, probably our, you know, evolution of thousands of years being near wood or something makes us feel more comfortable <laughs> at home or something. I don't know. That, ex- that explains the decor around here. And I should, I, I have to let you know this. We designed our headquarters based on, on uh, employee feedback, because why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you ask the most important constituents who are going to be spending a lot of time in your offices what they want to see in your facilities. Well, so, okay. So this is, this is a great point. There's kind of like the two schools of thought on like building things like this, which is the first school of thought being like the Steve jobs sort of like, I'll, I'll wait for the feedback. Once I launch the product, they'll let us know if they like it or not. Uh, or like the Henry Ford, you know, if I asked people what they wanted, they would ask for a faster horse versus the like, you know, bottom up refinement asking for customer feedback. I don't think that they're necessarily like at either ends of a, of a, of some sort of like, do we ask people questions spectrum or not? But I think it is an interesting dichotomy of like, you have to know something about the future that you believe that people need that they're not, they can't articulate versus like once it is out in the world, asking them for feedback. So I'm curious kind of where you, where you think that those two things, are they at odds or are they not? Uh, So I think it it comes back to how, you know, what are the specific questions that you're asking? So yes, if you ask people at face value, what they think they need, you might get an answer like faster horse. Uh, But if you understand the why, why is it important to have a faster horse? Then, you know, and as you go, as you delve into those root causes, then you get to the heart of what the needs, pain points, challenges are. So and this is true of problem solving in general. And I think this is what design thinking seeks to overcome is people race to a solution before they really understand the why and what the drivers are behind that specific need um, or pain point. So I think that's what I encourage people to do is just not, is not leap to assumptions about what the, what the right answer is or what the right outcome is and to really delve into the why as they look for, for the right answer. Yeah. There's no such thing as a, as a bad interview, there's just bad questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, or maybe there's no such thing as a bad survey. There's just bad questions. So you wrote an article not too long ago, a couple months back, about here are the top five questions you, you'd ask your customers. Uh, you kind of did a, did a survey of your you know, colleagues and people on LinkedIn 
and around you about like these, you know, top five questions. We'll link it up in the show notes here. Was there anything that surprised you about, you know, those, those top five questions that you'd ask your customers? Uh, I think there was, there was a more consistency than I expected around some of the answers. So clearly a lot of desire. And I think this, this is reflective of this modern age where experience and feedback and, you know, there's just a lot of visibility into uh, people's real experiences with things, but there, there seems to be a lot of appetite to really understand what, what do you wish we had done differently or what, what do you, how could we be better? So yeah. not settling for the status quo and not just asking about, you know, what you're currently using, but what, what else kind of, kind of this desire to go beyond that and over index toward meeting needs. So I, you know, I thought it was, I just thought it was interesting that people, the smartest people are, are, they're going to go there. They're going to ask the slightly uncomfortable questions in order to get the best sense of how they can take things to the next level. Yeah, I think it's a great point that you, it might be a little bit uncomfortable in the short term. And I can tell you, it's a lot less uncomfortable if you're putting it into a survey and sending it to them than if you're asking it directly to their face. Not that doing the uncomfortable thing is, is a bad thing. You should probably be doing both. But I think that it allows people to kind of respond in their own way. Some people are definitely, you know, probably a little bit more awkward about doing it in person. Yeah, I mean, a good example of that is like a win-loss survey in a, in a sales environment, right? I mean, yeah. you, should be, you should be running a win-loss survey at all times to just better understand the reality of what your prospective customers are, are, you know, what was that experience like? You know, the ones who signed up, what was their experience like? The ones who didn't sign up, perhaps more importantly, what was that experience like? And where could you have done something differently? Where are the opportunities to train your team? to deliver a better experience. People, you should be so open to feedback unless you think you've got it all figured out. And if you do, you know, on the one hand, my hat's off to you. And on the other, you're kidding yourself. None of us have it all figured out. I just encourage people to think about where where can they insert these listening posts so that they can just get progressively better at the thing that they're trying to do. If you could survey yourself from the first time that you were a CMO, to the second time that you're a CMO. What do you think are the things that, that you would have, uh, or what are some of the things that you would have, would have done differently the first time around? Wow, that is a good question. Things I would have done differently the first time around. I think, you know, so, so this, is, this is my second time as CMO. I was CMO at Lever for two and a half years and had a fantastic experience there. I think the thing that I wished I had done sooner at Lever that we've been prioritizing here on the team is really stepping back to think about messaging and positioning and you know, what is the unique space that we can occupy um, and the unique value differentiation that we can provide. So we had some of those thoughts at, at Lever and we definitely spent some time on it, but I think I as CMO didn't necessarily over-index the team toward it. Uh, and and you know, the reality is, Customers have many choices in this day and age and the marketplace is often very crowded and you need to figure out what your unique selling proposition is and be able to articulate that in a way that just gets your customers excited and inspired. And so, you know, it's, it's a really hard part of marketing, messaging, positioning, like the words on paper really do matter. It's one of the reasons I continue to love this job and, and find it challenging in a good way, but you can't shortchange that activity. And you just have to be constantly keeping, keeping a pulse on 
how your brand is surfacing and how you're positioning yourself um, in order to know where you can, where you can keep being better. What's your favorite marketing campaign that you've done in your career or one of your favorites? Oh, favorite campaign. Gosh, I've got a bunch of things running through my head right now. I'll, I'll highlight one for actually from OpenTable. So a couple of jobs ago, I was a vice president of restaurant marketing at OpenTable and there, you can think about OpenTable. I'm sure many people understand that OpenTable really is in the business of helping consumers book tables at restaurants, but the paying customer is the restaurant itself, right? They're the ones who pay for seated diners and pay for the technology. You know, OpenTable is trying to juggle these different audiences, and the company had been around for a while, um, so it wasn't necessarily uh, aligned in people's minds with innovation. But a lot of technology was starting to burst onto the scene um, in terms of uh, the dining space. People were starting to put tablets on desk on tables, for example, to manage orders and thinking about how to use mobile for wait lists and that sort of thing. So in order to uh, insert OpenTable a bit more forcefully into the conversation around innovation and technology, I used SurveyMonkey actually to run a survey that was called Technology and Dining Out what consumers expect from tech in the dining experience. And so we ran this survey in a few different markets, the markets that we were, were in, so the US, Canada, UK, Germany, Japan, I think we ran it in too. And the point was to gather critical massive responses to get real diners telling restaurants what they were looking for. So we were able to package this up into content that got a ton of press pickup in you know, on broadcast, on, you know, USA Today type publications, but also I was able to leverage um, a package up for conference presentations to help educate restaurateurs and restaurant chains on how consumers were thinking about tech and the dining experience. So for me, you know, the best content that leverages, you know, this unique um, sort of proprietary research finds that sweet spot of things that people care about and are passionate about and areas where your company can really deliver outsized outsized benefit and layer those two together. And uh, I thought that particular campaign worked really well from that perspective. That's super fun. Yeah. Um, And we find out some really like who doesn't want to think about, you know, tech and dining, like what's intrusive. And I mean, it was, it was just a really, uh, you know, mobile payments were big as well. So that was just, it was super topical, but it added value to consumers, to restaurants, to open table rather as a, as a thought leader in the space. What about uh, one of your least favorite campaigns or biggest learning experiences? That's what we say. Oh, goodness. Biggest learning experience. I've had so many. I don't know if it's campaign related, though. I think for me, I've had some talent missteps. Uh, Not not many, actually. I mean, I think that I think most marketing leaders, the thing that keeps me up at night, at least is team. And am I doing enough as a leader to inspire them and motivate them because they have choices. Right. I mean, there are so many opportunities for, for qualified marketers. And uh, some skill sets are getting really hard to, to hire for, like product marketing. So, so that's what I, I spend a lot of time uh, thinking about is what, what more can I be doing to create this environment where people come to grow? But in terms of m- mistakes, much earlier in my career when I was at, at LinkedIn, I, I hired somebody and I knew at the time that they were not quite culturally aligned with our business. But for various reasons I won't go into, I was, I was in desperate mode. And I, I thought I needed the warm body who had marketing experience over somebody who was aligned with a culture. And it was the single biggest hiring mistake of my career. And it took probably 18 months to write that situation. And so I learned, I learned the hard way that you should not shortchange, that 
that if somebody is not aligned with your culture, it's not worth it. It's just not, that's just not a hire that you, you should make. Yeah, those are, I mean, those are just, just devastating. It's always the, uh, I forget the adage, but it's like, you know, 5% of the employees take up 90% of your time sort mm. of thing. I think that's what we used to say in the army and uh, man, it is that true. It is just unbelievably true. Let's get into some lightning round questions. Let's do it. <laughs> Fast and easy questions. Fast and easy, just like marketing automation with Pardot. You can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about B2B marketing on the world's number one CRM. Fast and easy lightning round questions. Are you ready? I sure am. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? Oh, that sort of, that sort of question. Uh, let's see. I, I love Instagram. I find it endlessly entertaining. Favorite vacation spot? Oh, that's a toss-up. I love going home to Scotland, but I dream about being able to squirrel myself away in Tuscany for a month. We're in Scotland. Where should our listeners go check out in Scotland? <laughs> well, Edinburgh is my hometown. And if you only have two days, you should absolutely go to Edinburgh. If you have longer, you should, and if it's, especially if it's the summer months, uh, you should take the drive up to Sky and uh, spend the night there. There's a restaurant called Three Chimneys, which I highly, highly recommend. We went to Isle of Sky when, we were, when I was there with my family many moons ago. And uh, boy, what a wonderful place. What ad campaign have you seen recently that you're most envious of? Oh, so I think the, the ad campaign that I'm most uh, intrigued by recently is there's a company ZipRecruiter, which is like a, you know, it's a hiring tool. They've started inserting customer testimonials into their podcasts and radio ads, which I think is like pushing this whole notion of customers at the center of your marketing to the next level. So I've, like I've seen that in print a lot. I've seen it in different, different formats, but I'd never actually seen it in like a broadcast ad. So I thought that was, I thought that was kind of interesting. 100%. I could not agree more. I love those spots. Couldn't agree more. As someone who's, you know, obviously runs a, a company that creates podcasts. I love to see those type of spots. Uh, I well, couldn't agree more. Yeah. Well, I think, I think what's cool about that is, I mean, we know from our research, 60% of people say that marketers are selling them things they don't need, which ouch, that's a little concerning, but you know, if they're not listening to marketers, they, who are they listening to? They're listening to customers. They want to hear real experiences. And so I think the fact that they're like literally inserting real experiences into their ads is, is, is cool. Couldn't agree more. What is your best piece of advice for a first time CMO? Best piece of advice for a first time CMO is to get as close to your customers as you possibly can. I love it. Great advice. What are you most excited about for the future of marketing? Oh, the future of marketing. The thing I'm most excited about is for us to finally be able to connect the dots data. And, you know, I think we're, we're, we're right there at SurveyMonkey starting to really think holistically about that customer journey and have a conversation with customer across their entire experience with us rather than these one-off transactional touch points that just don't resonate. What question did I not ask you today that you're rarely asked that you wish you were asked more often? <laughs> um, why should you work at SurveyMonkey? Why should you work at SurveyMonkey? 
SurveyMonkey is where the curious come to grow. It's an incredible organization that is on the, uh, just in the midst of a really exciting journey. We have this almost like this delicious combination of a storied brand with lots of uh, notoriety and brand love, if you will, combined with this uh, expanded direction that we're taking on. There's so much business opportunity as we continue to expand into the enterprise and expand our survey offerings for our self-serve business and also look internationally. So it's a fantastic time to join our organization, especially for marketers. So surveymonkey.com slash jobs is uh, definitely a URL that you're going to want to check out. Yeah, absolutely. We'll link it up in the show notes and we'll link it up in the Marketing Trends newsletter. Uh, any any fun open requisitions on your marketing team? Absolutely. Uh, our listeners should check them out. Yeah. And I'll just make a quick plug. We, we're just opening a role for a director of SEO globally. So we'd love to talk to anyone listening to the podcast who thinks that uh, they, they fit the bill. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. We'll promote that and uh, and, and I'll toss it on uh, on LinkedIn as well. That's awesome. Amazing. Liz, this has absolutely been great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for hanging out. And next time we get, we'll do it in person. That's that's fun that you're nearby. I would love that. That would be that'd be wonderful. Thank you so much for for having me on the show. Awesome. Talk soon. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.